Look, I don't know if you guys have heard about this article in the New York Times about honeybees vanishing. The honeybee is vital to the environment. Bees, Scotty. Bumblebee! Killer bees. Are you endowing these bees with human motives? Yeah. Bees are funny. You're not interested in what happened to the bees. Do you have any idea what those bees can do? Welcome to Killer Bees. This is a podcast where we profile B-movie and genre film icons. My name is Garrett Smith. And my name is Tori Potenza. We can be found everywhere on the internet at Killer Bees Podcast. That's Killer BS Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and at gmail.com. Send us an email. We're also a part of the Movie John Podcast Network found on moviejohn.com. That's the Philadelphia John, J-A-W-N. Our music is by Christine Rayburn and her partner, Beck. And our artwork is by Alex Schneider. I said those credits backwards. Oh, yeah. We're really on top of it today. Doing great. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. Definitely hasn't been a really long gap between recording this and the last episode. <laughs> yep. No, we're definitely not rusty. It's fine. No, we're doing great. <laughs> um, yeah. So we're, we're <laughs> I'm excited to be here today. Oh, I never said we're covering Carol Kane oh, yeah. on today's podcast. That's, <laughs> that's why we were left in the dark. Didn't, that's why, how we ended up not knowing what we were talking about. Oh, God. Not changing the intro has really fucked us up in a big it way. It really has. We should never have done that Wu-Tang podcast. <laughs> yeah, we... Which I should say, I you know, I probably didn't uh, give you enough credit or thank you enough for whatever after that episode, which was... The only one I've hosted and probably will be the only one I ever host because it was hard to do your job. Yeah. I mean, you could host more if you want. It's difficult to do this podcast. <laughs> I appreciate it now. Much more. Yeah. Putting notes together is a lot. Yeah. Um, it, it takes a lot. Yes. Which is also why I know we recently just made the decision to go uh, bi-weekly once episodes are released, which I... Bi-weekly? Is that Bi-weekly. the right word? Yeah. That's, what, okay. that's the right word. Yeah. yeah, every two weeks. I don't know why. <laughs> We're yeah. really fucking it up today. Yeah, so it'll um, still be on Thursdays, right? Yes, every um, other Thursday, yeah. uh, which I think will help us with uh, just juggling our lives and also doing all the research we want to do for the podcast. Yes, so. uh, both of our personal lives have sort of uh, gotten a little crazier in the last year, and so... Yeah. We want to give ourselves more space to make this podcast as good as we can make it, which means watching more movies, doing more research, and yeah. packing it into these great episodes that sound as good as this one. Yeah, we're fucking busy. Yeah, yeah. That's why <laughs> and it's probably, you can tell. That's probably why we sound so chaotic <laughs> yep. right now. Like why, why are you guys even here? Uh, yeah, so uh, have we watched anything lately that we want to talk about? Uh, we have watched so many things yep. since we last sat down to record. Stop letting the people know that it's been oh so fair long. uh well, well okay well what have we watched that uh, you would like to discuss because there um, have been so many things that i would like to let you take the lead well i've seen two things in theaters recently which have both been really great and weird uh one was alex garland's men uh we got to go to a preview screening for that uh and i have a review for it on movie john uh we're both huge alex garland fans and uh i was i know i was very excited about this one for some time uh, and damn, it is crazy and weird and gross, and I loved it. And yeah. I don't know if I understand everything that's no. happening, but I can't wait for more people to watch it and want to dissect it with me. Uh, I, I put it out there too. I was like, if anyone wants to do a podcast episode like on men, let me know because I want to be able to like Talk sift through some of these ideas yeah. more with people. Uh, yeah, what a enigma of a film. I love it, and I love the dumb discourse that's already <laughs> occurring around it. Yeah, I liked it a lot, too. The uh, The last 20 minutes are some of the most balls-out crazy filmmaking yep. I've seen in a while. Really nuts and gnarly and strange, and uh, it's kind of a wonderful experience just for that, if nothing else. Uh, yeah, so I definitely recommend that people go check out Men, uh, and, and please tell me what you think about it. Um, and then I went to New York with my family last weekend uh, and included in my plans that I would go see a movie on my own that was playing in New York and get a little time to myself, which I think is necessary. And I saw Lux uh, Eternia, Eterna, uh, however you're supposed to say it. It's Lux Eterna, Eterna, but I don't know. Yeah. Um, 
which I saw like a late night screening of this. It's Gaspar Noe's like new like 45 minute movie um, along with the other one, which is Vortex, I think. Vortex. Is, yeah. This is, I think, like a feature length. Yeah. With, uh, starring Dario Argento. Um, oh, right. I forgot yeah. about that. I know. Um, but yeah, this one's really cool. I watched it because it, you know, I, the witchcraft imagery of the poster really stuck out to me. And um, it is like a just chaos machine uh, for 45 minutes. It is stressful and wild and so a lot of flashing lights in the last 10 minutes of the movie so if you have an issue with that like maybe hold off uh but it was really cool i dug it a lot i'm excited for more people to see this too definitely sounds like a gasper no yeah no movie i'm not sure how to pronounce his last name appropriately but uh yeah the few that i've seen have basically could be described in that exact way yeah because we saw uh climax Climax. in theaters together which Which was a really interesting experience intense movie experience (laughs) that i liked i don't know that i loved that movie but (laughs) i did like the experience of watching that movie i agree and um i've also seen no it's not called the void what is that called the Uh, irreversible no not that one enter the void enter the void void, uh which i did really enjoy that's a really uh great movie oh cool yeah that's good to know yeah he's a weird filmmaker i'm Mm -hmm. into it (laughs) Mm -hmm. um yeah, so those are two of the big ones that I feel like we watched. Oh, we also watched A Simple Favor, which... Uh, oh, we loved this movie. Yeah, we really loved it. I'm a big Paul Feig fan. I feel like he maybe has gotten like uh, less popular in recent years or something. People Maybe since that Lady Ghostbusters movie, people are just don't seem to like Paul Feig that much. I don't know. I thought A Simple Favor was real good. You know, kind of Hitchcock-y while being like very modern and hip and... It just, it made me laugh, but was also like a movie that was taking itself seriously in a way that really worked in the movie's favor. I Just a strange, but cool, interesting kind of like comedy mystery movie. Yeah, and I think like it's been on my watch list for a really long time, and I think we ultimately decided to watch it because um, recently there was some news that there might be a sequel coming right. out with, mm-hmm. with the same cast, mm-hmm. uh, which I was like, oh, yeah. that would be fun because uh, one thing, like I, I don't necessarily think I'm a huge Blake Lively fan, but like seeing this movie, I was like, oh, fuck, she's incredible in this she's movie. She's terrific in this yeah. movie. I am with you. I did not think of myself as a Blake Lively fan yeah. until I saw... The Shallows, which is a really cool movie that she's in. She's real good in it. She makes friends with a seagull and names him Steven, Steven Seagull. Oh, yes. Yeah. And uh, yeah. (laughs) And, uh, you know, it's great. Real good movie. She's just real fun in it. Anyway, uh, yeah, really enjoyed her in particular. But, uh, and Anna Kendrick was great in it as well, actually. Yeah. I feel like Anna Kendrick is always like pretty good in what I see her Mm -hmm. in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we also just watched Twilight the other day, oh, and sure which did. she was also in. <laughs> yeah, do we need to talk about Twilight? Uh, no, we don't need to talk about Twilight. No. Uh, you know, <laughs> I liked watching Twilight. I mean, it was funny. I like it's a laughed. Funny movie. I laughed through most of it. It is so cringe because I used to love the books when yeah. I was in high school, and then I saw the first one in theaters with my boyfriend at the time and some of our friends, and was like, oh. I think the books I read were really bad and I didn't realize it until I saw it acted out on the big screen. Yeah, I mean, if you're asking me, I uh, I think that it's like intentionally a funny movie. Like, yeah. I, I think that they, they are making fun of the material, but they're doing it in this really interesting way where it's like, it's not like camp. It, it like, it's sort of playing it straight. Like, yeah. It is doing the like goth teen romance thing, like kind of unironically, mm-hmm. but also is super funny about the way it's doing. Like, I do think it's making fun of itself. Yeah, it was like kind of an enigma. Like, watching it the whole time, I was like, man, this is really throwing me off. Yeah, <laughs> which it's, was just a strange. fun experience. Looking forward to watching the rest of those. I know. I, I was like, we can kind of watch these at whatever pace we decide we want to, but yeah. uh, I am interested because this is the only one I've seen to, to figure out how much more chaotic these movies get. Yeah, yeah. Um, Cool. So should we dive into Carol Kane? Let's talk about Carol. Okay, cool. I'm excited. I feel like even in recent years, we have watched a lot of Carol Kane performances, yes. and I'm very excited to talk about them. Me too. Uh, so Carol Kane has 163 acting credits. Um, I really slash and burned a lot, and really, I think just for the sake of the podcast, I think it's better to like really only talk about the films we're we want to talk about. We're going to hone in on this yeah. stuff. Yeah, we're going to get better at that this season, uh, I think. 
Yeah, so it's less like us just reading from a list. So if yeah. there are Carol Kane movies that we did not talk about that you are interested in, please let us know. Yeah, even then... bigger reason to email us because we are yes. going to start skipping people's movies if they just exactly. don't seem like something we need to talk about. So if we missed it, tell us. Yes. Um, so I had this uh, quote I found from her that I really liked because I you know, like starting with quotes. Um, I don't put together cars. I put together people. It makes me happy to construct these people, to build another world. I feel happy and free and very consumed. It's a lovely uh, actor sentiment. You yes. Know? Yeah. I know. I liked that too. Um, yeah. Carol Kane is so interesting because I feel like we've in recent years watched her in a lot more dark like genre things. Yeah. And that's what I've really come to love about her. But she was also like kind of a big part of my childhood and also like a pretty fairly big comedic presence in a lot of things that I have seen even in recent years. I definitely think of her as a comedic performer because that's like how I grew up with her. Even though, you know, you come to find out it's like she's in one of the original slasher movies. Like there's so much genre work in her career and and throughout her entire career. Yeah, and she's not really like a genre horror person. I know that's one of the quotes I oh, found. Oh, interesting. Where she was okay, like, she like she doesn't she gets, go for that. Really. Yeah, she like is she's like scared of them. So she's like, yeah, they like freak me out, so I don't watch them. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. And I feel like it's something we've heard from some of these other actors that we've talked about too. Um, but yeah, Carol Kane was born uh, June eighteenth, uh, nineteen fifty two, in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, she. Ha- Apparently did a lot of Broadway. Uh, she's a stage actress um, and like is also known as co- a comedian as well. Um, she attended the professional children's school in the Upper West Side uh, and made her professional theater debut in 1966 production of The Prime of Miss uh, Jean Brody, uh, starring Tammy Grimes. Um, and Kane was just 14 at the time. Um, and I couldn't figure out if she was in the original cast or not, but apparently she was in the cast of Wicked, okay. uh, which I did see the original Broadway cast, oh. uh, which was pretty cool. Um, she makes sense to me as a Broadway star. For sure. She can perform, and I, I do not mean this in an insulting way, she can give a really big performance yeah. in the way that you would expect a stage actor to. And, I agree. Uh, that is why I think she's such a good comedic performer. Uh, presence yeah um and yeah apparently she doesn't uh i think had a bad experience auditioning early on Mm. when she like was just starting out Mm. and then made the decision to like not audition whoa um so she and she in their quote she's like you know like if martin scorsese wants me to audition for something like duh i'm gonna do it but she's like like as a rule like doesn't audition really interesting i have to imagine that you are just putting up a huge hurdle for yourself as an actor yeah if you refuse to audition you know which like She's been in a lot, but also does a lot more background than mm-hmm. I would have expected mm-hmm. as like a, an actress of her caliber. Mm-hmm. I feel like she is often like side characters. So mm-hmm. I wonder if that is part of the decision was that, oh, it means like maybe she's not like the lead in a lot of different things. Yeah. Sucks that those fucking casting couch stories, you know, mean know. this for people's careers, you know? Yeah. For uh, sure. Among the other things that it sucks that they mean, you know? Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, so, yeah, I just thought that was interesting. Um, and one thing, too. I think it will be interesting to talk about is that she's like very self-conscious of her voice because people always talk about her like loud nasally voice. I mean, it's again, part of the reason she's a great comedic persona. She does a lot of voice work. It makes sense. She has a strong, powerful voice that is unique. Yeah. Like it's very iconic, but like, I guess is pretty self-conscious of of how that is. She's like, of course I want to sound like I'm like sexy and sultry. Boy, that makes me sad to hear. I know. know, Feel bad for her, especially because I do think that young Carol Kane is quite a hottie. Uh, I know. The, the idea that her voice would somehow like to me that like actually makes her like more attractive. She, she's got like this like interesting thing about her yeah. beyond the fact that she is beautiful. You know what I mean? I agree. Um, but yeah, so that that is a, a shame to hear. I know. Um, so yeah, one of her first roles was in a movie called uh, La Sabina in 1979, which the premise of this just made me laugh. Uh, English scholar visits a Spanish town um, in the mountains to investigate the disappearance of a different scholar long ago. He learns of the legend of Sabina, a mysterious dragon woman who he becomes obsessed with. Okay. <laughs> just like, what is this movie? Yeah. That is all, all of that is strange. Yeah. 
Um, and I think she had like some other early like uncredited roles, but uh, when a stranger calls is very early in her career. Um, that's the next thing I have here um, from the same year, 1979, uh, which we had just watched for the first time. I think maybe early in the pandemic yeah. or like a little before pandemic. I can't Sometime remember. in the last two years, I think. Uh, which I think mostly we did because we wanted to watch the sequel, which we will talk about later because yeah. the sequel has some really iconic like imagery that a lot of like mm-hmm. film fans post mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. and I was like oh I need to see this well and and this movie itself is iconic in its own way when a stranger calls um it is one of the early slasher movies yes. um it is sort of this trope of uh you know that basically becomes scream right like the mm-hmm. premise of this movie ends up being kind of the premise of the opening of scream uh, which is is kind of a cool thing that that Craven yeah. does as he's nodding to the history of the genre but also I mean, you could argue that this movie like spawns a genre of slasher movie. These sort of yeah. the, the call is coming from in the house, the stranger coming from, you know, the other end of the phone line. This yeah. is like a thing that, ha- you know, it becomes a thing in horror movies. Yeah, because I mean, and I don't know if like the urban legend came before or what, right. but like this is one of the stories that I know is also in um, Scary Stories to Tell in mm-hmm. the Dark. And I remember being like in fourth grade and reading that and it really freaked me out because I was young and I had like just started babysitting my sisters. Yeah. Right. This uh, is this is a babysitter murder yeah. story, basically. Um, yeah. And yeah, like you know, obviously there's then a sequel to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if it. Yeah. Is it a remake? Mm-hmm. Um. And but like tons of other things like reference this like scream and and you could yeah. argue that this is around the exact same time period and in the same tradition as like Black Christmas and yeah, Halloween. For these sure. are these babysitter young women, other end of the foot, these strangers that yep. come from the other end of the phone, the other end of the block, the, you know, this is all in this sort of stew of like early kind of American slashers. Yeah. And I feel like this movie was so interesting because like the, the call is coming from inside the house part of the story is like maybe the first 15 right. minutes of the movie. And then it's like a whole other movie yes. where like years pass the guy that was like, the person that perpetrated all of this, like we spend a lot of time with him, watching him gear up to like go after her again in later years. It's so strange. It's really, it's actually really strange. Like when it makes it shift to sort of observing the killer for long periods yeah. of time, that's where it's like, this is unlike the other American slashers, right? Like yeah. the killer is always like off camera, just out of frame, like uh scary and threatening because they're like unknown to some extent. Yeah. It's a little bit more of like a true crimey, like profiling. This is concerned with the psychology of these characters. Um, and the sequel, which I can't wait to talk about, like, especially so. Yeah. And she's really great in this. I think both as like the scared kind of naive teenager Mm -hmm. that she is, that she plays early on. And then later on as like, I think she's like a mother when he comes after her. So she's like, has these young children and is like, like trying to protect them and I think you know does both of those things really well in the movie um, along with uh, who's the the other actor oh um, uh, who I love so so much Charles uh, Durning Durning That's yeah it. Charles Got Durning it. who's terrific he's the detective is he a police officer I think he's a police officer yeah yeah um, that and then like is also a part of the sequel which is really interesting that yes. they both come back uh, to do this years later yes um, boy she's so good in this and yeah I mean I am a huge fan of Charles Durning and I, I think he is terrific in this movie and, and basically creates a character here that uh you know, I really come to love in the, in the sequel. Yeah. Uh, I found this really weird, interesting note, but, uh, the actor, Tony Beckley, who plays the, um, psychotic killer, Mm -hmm. uh, apparently became really high, strung and sensitive during the shooting. He Mm. was fascinated with Carol Kane and he became fixated on her Mm. and had a nervous breakdown because he felt so inadequate to her on the shooting, which I'm like, it's already tense that he is playing this killer that yeah. is like going after her, but then to also have this going on, I feel like adds another level of like kind of creepy, unsettling For acting sure. to this. Uh, yeah, very fascinating. That's really by weird. That. Um, but then after a stranger calls, she does the Muppet movie, which I have seen. I do not remember Carol Kane in the Muppet movie necessarily, though. Uh, yeah, I've seen the Muppet movie. I don't remember Carol in it necessarily yeah. either. I, you know, assume that she's one of the great human role. You know, the great thing about Muppet movies is if yeah. you get the right actor, 
they are just acting alongside the Muppets as if the Muppets are also actors mm-hmm. in the movie with them. And Carol Kane strikes me as the kind of actor that would do that really well. You know? Yeah. I feel like there were a couple movies that I knew she had bit roles in and I tried to look up clips and just couldn't find clips of them. Yeah. So it's just possible that like people aren't like cutting those kind of things or that like, I don't know, her roles are so small that they just like don't have a lot of mm-hmm. presence online. But I, it was interesting. I couldn't, I don't think I could find the Muppet movie, um, which I feel like you're right. Like she would be really fun in a Muppet movie. Yeah. Um, and then after the Muppet movie, she does the Mafu Cage, which we watched uh, earlier this year. Um, it had been on my watch list for a while after reading uh, Kirla Janice's um, House of Psychotic Women. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've gotten really into these movies just about like unsettling, like kind of psychotic women, like going through like different nervous breakdowns. I don't know why this has become like a thing that I'm really interested in right now, but like all of these like weird, horny, depressed movies, I feel like are kind of in this vein of just like, these are really like, these are women that are having a lot of issues. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, but like this movie's really great. It's her and, uh, totally gonna blank on her name uh leah grant um oh yeah who we also love from a couple different things um she's in the omen 2 mm-hmm. and visiting hours mm-hmm. yes. um so you have like two like really great genre stars playing against each other and their sisters who you know like spent time in africa with their father he like went on safaris and so like their whole house is decorated in like african decor and then carol kane's character keeps Take, taking these monkeys, which they call mafus, and killing them accidentally. This is like an impossible movie to it's explain. It's so strange. Yeah. Uh, but it's like, you know, she ends up killing these monkeys and her older sister is like trying to protect her and doesn't want to put her away, but like knows that her sister has this like violent streak in her. And it's kind of just like her trying to figure out what to do about it and also have her own life and, you know, try to have romantic like interests and it's wild. They literally keep a, a their half of their living room is a cage for yes. which to keep. And I is it it's not even monkeys, it's like gorillas or apes or yeah, it's like it's like, like a big yeah. it's a really I think big it might be species. A yeah, actually yeah. you might be right. It's a very big species. Um, you know, which is important to the story, I think actually that they're they're they are humanoid. They're very, you know, they're yeah. large and and uh, about the size of a human and um and she keeps killing these <laughs> orangutans that her sister keeps yeah. finding ways to to get her any you know, of the whole thing is that like i think they're well she was she, the carol the younger sister was raised in africa around mm-hmm. this culture and is no longer there and feels attached to that culture in some way and the whole thing about the mafu is somehow her connection back to that culture Back to her father, yeah. all of which stems from, I think you and I agreed, like, that this movie is, like, uh, an abuse allegory. Yeah, like, it seems like they were probably both abused yeah. by their father yeah. and yeah. have taken that in very different yes. ways and dealt with it yes. or not dealt with it yes. in very different ways. Right. Um, which I wrote all about this movie for my Women Who Kill column. Um, and I think I wrote, like, a pretty interesting piece just on, like, the psychosis of both of these women because mm-hmm. I think they're really fascinating characters. Characters, yeah. but and Carol's terrific in this movie. So I mean, she, uh, you know, one of her comedic personas is the sort of like baddie lady, yeah, which is a little bit what she's doing here, but she's not employing it for comedy, and it yeah. is like sad and tragic and difficult. She's like a very difficult character to spend a movie with, I think. Yeah, um, but she's like she's taking her very seriously, and and it's um yeah, it's like a it's a challenging movie and mm. and a really challenging performance. And she's even at times like adorable and disarming, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. and like you you do like feel bad for her for that too. And then there is maybe kind of like a weird incest thing going on with the two sisters right. too, which has a whole other level to what's right. going on. But like she's kind of just like a regressed character. Yeah, right. Um, yes, I think is like a good the way biggest to say thing. Yeah. Um, but like, whew, you're right. It's hard to watch. I loved it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's a wild. Movie. It's one of the weirdest things I've seen in in like years yeah it is a really really strange movie for sure um and then after that she does a film with gene wilder um called the world's greatest lover uh which i've never seen i I did want to point out you've actually been going through the 70s in reverse order i think oh really we started at the end of the 70s and we're making our way to the beginning we started in 79 and we're going down to 72 
that's weird. Yeah. Why did I do that? I don't know. Okay. It, it, I realized it about halfway through the list, and I was like, oh, okay. Wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> It's all right. Great. There's no way to edit that. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> okay. Um, well, yeah, let's get through the 70s, and then I'll uh, maybe we can take a break yeah. and fix this. Yeah. Cool. Um, so, yeah, she does a comedy with Gene Wilder, which I would really love to see just because I am a huge Wilder fan, too, and I think they'd probably be really great together. Me, too. Um, and then she does a Ken Russell movie called Valentino, um, which is about the sex symbol that. Valentino. Okay. Um, Wait, the sex symbol Valentino? Rudolph Valentino. Okay. Um, he's a tw- 1920s movie star. I've never even heard of this person. Yeah. Um, but I love Ken Russell. I feel like there's a lot. I feel like I always find movies where I'm like, Ken Russell directed this? Right, I know. Okay. Yeah. Um, she was in Annie Hall, which I've never seen. I don't know if you have. I have. I've seen Annie Hall, you know, classic comedy that probably is going to be rightfully buried under the sands of time. Yes, uh, and, probably. Uh, you know, that's fine. Yeah. Um, and I think she just has like a bit role in it. Um, There's lots of actors that have like very small roles throughout Annie Hall. Uh, and then in 75, she is in Dog Day Afternoon, which I think you watched I just did watch, pretty and, recently. and weirdly, I like have no memory of her being in this movie, it, which maybe is only uh, an explanation of, uh, the way to explain that is just like, you've got somebody like Pacino giving like one of his bigger, younger, you know, performances of his I younger know. career and stuff, and so... There's lots of memorable things about that movie, and I guess perhaps she is not one of them necessarily. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how I forgot that she's in it entirely. I would like to see it. It's terrific. Yeah. It is terrific. It's like one of those movies that everybody's like, oh, it's one of the great movies. And you go like, yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you watch it, and you're like, oh, it's one of the great movies. Like, yep. Does anybody want to talk about that great, great movie? That Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it, okay. it was really good. Um, yeah, I, I do look forward to eventually seeing that. I feel like catching up on some of these movies has been really enjoyable. Yeah. Um, and then her, I mean, her first role from 72 is called White Wedding, uh, or Wedding in White. Okay. Uh, starring with Donald Pleasance, uh, who we love, um, which is about uh, a teenage girl who is raped and then left with the decision about what to do with her pregnancy. Hmm. Um, seems like a really, uh, hard, you know, first movie to do um also very timely just with everything that's going on in the country right now yeah yeah um yeah so that's her career in the 70s um and then we get to her roles in the 80s uh which um for tv she did things like cheers and tales from the dark side which is pretty Mm, cool yeah um some pretty iconic 80s stuff um in 81, uh, she is in The Games of Countess Dollingen. Uh, Dollingen? I don't necessarily know how to pronounce that. Yeah. Uh, in Paris, a young woman visits with her old friend at a psychiatric clinic. Um, the friend tells her that she's just finished a novel about a girl who committed suicide. Uh, she begins to read it, and the events of the novel are bizarrely intertwined with the life of Louise herself, who has experienced severe depression, uh, which... Seems just like another kind of like weird, uh, you know, psychotic movie about a woman dealing with some trauma. Uh, Yeah, that also, I'm trying to remember the name of this movie. I'm not going to remember it right now. There's no way I'm going to remember it. I saw a movie at a film festival that this sounds like kind of similar to. Like a person like reading a book that's like about them or something? Kind More like a, a fantasy world is like just kind of becomes their world. Oh. Even, even And you're pretty aware that that means they're having like some sort of like severe gotcha. psychotic episode. Interesting. Um, but for them it's like it's very real so they have to like go through the fantasy in order to like you know continue going mm-hmm. through the reality. Okay. Interesting. Um, in 82, she is in Norman Loves Rose. Uh, a teenage boy falls hopelessly in love with his new sister-in-law. Uh, when she gets pregnant, someone raises the question that he might be the father, a notion he does nothing to discourage. What? <laughs> right? Sounds like a wild premise. I think she is the the woman that he is in love with. Oh, uh, my God. Yes. Um, and then she is in Transylvania 6-5000, which we watched. We sure um, did. This I mean, was, how could we not? Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's one of those, like, movies that, like, uh, you know, this type of comedy really works for me. Like, the stuff from the 80s. Um, the and core I'm, cast is really great. Yeah, stars Jeff Goldblum. How, you know, yep. horror Gina comedy Davis. starring Jeff Goldblum, yep. Gina Davis. Gina Davis looking hot as hell in oh this movie. Oh, my God, she looks incredible. Yeah. Uh, Ed Bagley Jr., who we always end up talking He's about on the show. In so many of these, like, yes. genre movies of the 70s and 80s. It's really wild. Yeah. He pops up in everything we're watching lately. Yeah. Um, I feel like I really wanted to like this movie and it even had a really strong opening. There's First, some like, really good comedic moments, especially when they're just talking in the like newspaper room uh, yeah. that it starts off in. First like 20 minutes of this movie, yeah. I think are like pretty, they're like gangbusters and you're like, okay, I like this premise. I yep. get it. It's really silly. You know, it's like, it's actively silly, Yeah. but it's got the Goldblum thing of like, I'm tossing it all off. Like everything that's coming at me, I'm deflecting and yep. I'm just kind of, you know, but yeah, it kind of, it meanders a lot as it goes on and just sort of turns out to not have that many jokes. You know, it's being yeah. silly, but it doesn't have a lot of good jokes to be silly with. For sure. I mean, like these, you know, like I love um, like Young Frankenstein, mm -hmm. like I love Clue, mm -hmm. like these good like gag comedies that are also kind of like satirical horror like mm -hmm. things. I was like, oh, yeah, this is like, of course, I'm going to like yeah. this movie. They're like going to Transylvania to like find proof of Bigfoot. It's like dumb, right. like weird or Frankenstein. Frankenstein it's like I weird think, yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I just didn't like it as much as I wanted to, which was unfortunate. Same here. I feel like she's pretty funny, but this is another one where she is kind of just like, uh, like the wife of a side character. And so like she and the husband just have like these little bits that they're doing all the time. Her bit is really funny. In the yeah. Movie, which is that she's like wildly horny for her husband. <laughs> um, who like, doesn't have time for her anytime we're with them. Yeah. You know, he needs her to like focus on other things. And so it's just this endless gag of her being like really crazy and really wanting to like basically have sex with him and him having to like, okay, come on, let's settle down and let's go over here and do this other thing. And her, yeah. oh, okay, okay. All right. Okay. Okay. And then boom, turning that switch again and going like right back to batty, horny, insane. Like, yeah, it's pretty, it's a pretty funny gag, but like most of the other things in the movie, it's like, it has nowhere to go. And so they just keep coming back to it and they just do another version of that bit again. And mm -hmm. it happens like eight times. And by the end of it, yep. you're like, okay. You're like, we get it. Yep. Cool. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so too bad about that one. Yeah. Um, and then she is in Ishtar, which I know we've talked about yeah. for a couple other episodes, I think. I really want to see Ishtar. This is, you know, this like great Hollywood comedy by Elaine May that uh, was sort of trashed in its time and maybe unfairly so. Some people think it's terrible. Yeah. Some people think it's wonderful. I really want to see it. I know. It seems very interesting yeah. for that. Um, and then in 87, she is in The Princess Bride, which, you know, is a classic that I love. Tr uh, truly one of the classics of like my generation, I would say. Yeah. It seems like everyone my age loves this movie and and cites it often as like, yeah. you know, the 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 comedy, you know, of their childhood sort of. Yeah, I remember like watching it. I don't know. Maybe I was like 12, 13. Like I felt like I was like almost gonna be like too old for it. And then my dad put it on and I was sitting there just like, oh, no, this is like beautiful and adorable and funny and it's got like great comedic actors throughout it so you have like a bunch of like kind of like the similar comedy we were talking about that you really like um and she's really funny in her scene she's like uh you know again like the wife of another character right. and just comes in and berates him but like they have like a really good like rapport and back and forth um yeah. so her bits are really good yeah and i you know i guess that's probably the appeal of this movie overall right is yeah. like a parent could show this to a child of almost any age, you know what yeah. I mean? And and they'll find something funny about it, you know? Yeah, for sure. And it won't be, like, too much either, I don't think, you know? There won't yeah. be anything in it that's, like, too much. Which I weirdly, had, I already loved Carrie Elwes from um, Robin Hood Men in Tights. Yeah, yeah. I had seen I that movie a that ton. Movie. Yep. And then I watched this and was like, oh, like... Oh, he's like being funny and stuff, but yeah. then he's also like gets to be like the cute, suave hero. Right. What and... if he was doing the exact same thing, but it wasn't a parody, basically? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Which was really fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I love that she's in this. This is definitely like one of those ones where I'm like, oh, yeah, shoot, Carol Kane was a part of my childhood. This is where the comedic sort of like, this is why you identify her that way. Yeah. You know? yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, 
And then she's in Scrooged, another movie that I really love. Uh, my dad's like a huge Bill Murray fan, so we watched mo- a lot of his movies growing up. This is one of my favorite versions of The Christmas Carol. Uh, so like this and Muppet Christmas Carol are two like I usually watch yeah. if I'm watching anything Christmas related. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think it's I think it's really funny. She's the ghost of Christmas past, I believe, um, which is like a perfect role for her. She like comes down looking like Glinda, and then she like <laughs> kicks Bill Murray in the balls. <laughs> <laughs> um, which I don't know. This is one you said you haven't seen. I, this is one that I've seen like all of the pieces of at okay. various times on TV, but yeah. I've never sat down and watched Scrooge, which is a crime because I am a huge Bill Murray fan. So I would like yeah. to see and so, you know. I would like to sit down to Scrooge sometime. Yeah, I mean, it's actually kind of funny to me that you haven't, just because I know that you are a big Bill Murray yeah, yeah. fan. I was like, oh yeah, this is like a you know a classic like heathen Christmas tale yeah. that is fun. That's the thing is this ran on TV a lot when I was growing up, especially yeah. around the Christmas season. But also Comedy Central would run this movie somewhat frequently. Yeah, that's so true. I've definitely seen it. I just have never like sat down and watched yeah. Scrooge. Uh, one thing I found out, which I thought was really funny, so she grabs Bill Murray and. At one point when they were filming, she grabbed his lip and injured him. Um, She teared his lip, which halted production for several days. Oh, my God. (laughs) I was like, Jesus Christ. (laughs) That sounds terrible. I would hate that. I would be so mad at her if I were Bill Murray. I know. Um, And then we have her films in the 90s. So for TV, she did tons of TV at this time. Hey Arnold, Aladdin, the TV show, which I did love. Uh, Seinfeld, Ray Bradbury Theater, and Tales from the Crypt. Okay, that all all tracks. Yeah, tons of cool stuff. Um, She was in Joe versus the Volcano, which I know you've mentioned. I've never seen this movie, and I really want to. This is one of the Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan movies, I believe, and Mm -hmm. it's like... I think it was like a big failure at the time, but I feel like people have kind of reclaimed it as like, this movie's fucking weird in a way that like is really interesting and okay. kind of cool. I would like to see it. That's interesting. Um, and then she's in My Blue Heaven with uh, Steve Martin and Rick Moranis. Actually, I don't think I've heard of this. I've seen this movie. Oh. I believe I have a DVD of it somewhere if oh, you'd cool. like to watch it. It's pretty funny. This is an unspoken sequel to Goodfellas. Interesting. Yes. Okay. It's like it. It's not like official. It can't be official. But the the comedic premise of the movie is like w- you're spending time with one of the good fellas, like after he gets out and is now like uh, under like witness protect. Like he's testified against the rest of the family and is now in Whoa. like witness protection. And yeah. So now you're watching like a violent mobster trying to like live suburban life kind of. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. That's my memory of what the premise is. I haven't seen this movie in a very long time. Um, and then, yeah, she does When a Stranger Calls Back. So I think this is about like 20 years after. Uh, something like that. I think yeah. it's like 15 to 20 years after. And um, it, this is a made for TV movie. Yes. So that's the other thing. It's the same director. What's this guy's name? Um, and I think it... Yeah, it was made for TV, but I think it may have been like Showtime or something, like one right. of the one of the premium channels. I that sounds right to me because I know we've looked this up before because this was like fascinating to us. Yes, because uh, it is a thoroughly weird movie. We've also talked about this movie before because it stars Jill Sholin. Right, we have talked about it on yeah. the show before. Yes. Um. So yeah, good, Fred Walton is the uh, the writer director of these two movies. Yeah. So. Same same writer director, same stars come back. Um, I really love what they do with Carol Kane's character. She like comes back, plays the same character, but it's years later, and now she is working for like a victim like agency. So she comes in when Jill Sholene is getting like you know stalked and victimized, um, and like comes in to try to help her and defend her and be like, I went through this situation before when I was younger. And it's so interesting. Yeah. I mean, this movie takes the, again, it's like these movies are so much more interested in the psychology of these characters yeah. than these sort of like slasher movie elements of them. Um, uh, you know, it, it takes the trauma that her character experiences in the first movie very seriously and, and revisits that character later in life. Yeah. Um, same thing with Charles Durning's character coming back to sort as the sort of like, defender uh, and not in a like she she needs a, a man to come rescue her but yeah. more like the I know what happened to you like I believe you and know what happened to you before yeah and and so you need somebody that 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 can say to you like 
you're right. I trust you. Like these things are happening yeah. and we can figure them out together. It's, it's a really, really cool, interesting movie about like people working through trauma, like together kind of. Well, and cause the, the other like kind of big part of these movies is just that underlying idea of like women having trouble getting believed in situations like this. Right. And so it's like, she's going to the police, she's doing all this stuff, but like they can't find any evidence of a person being in her apartment right. or like, cause the stuff he's doing is really weird. It's like, he's kind of like a ghost like figure where like people can't see him, but somehow he's getting into their apartments, which which ends up being like really wild later this in the film. This movie takes the greatest third act turn. Yes. I mean, I think people get turned off by it probably. I, I have seen some negative reviews of this movie where I think people think it's really stupid and dumb. Oh, I love it I so think much. the turn it takes in the third act is fucking incredible. It's one of the weirdest, strangest slasher. It, it, that's when it goes from, you know, uh, a, a very serious drama, a uh, psychological drama to full on banana slasher yes. movie in such an entertaining way, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, it's really weird. There is, yeah, like there is a sequence that I'm sure you've probably seen online right. that is in this movie that is terrifying. Yes. And it's just a thing that like kind of casually happens in the middle it, of like, the movie. It almost doesn't even matter. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, wait, this is this is the context of this scene. This is insane. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I loved it for that. Yeah. And, and she's playing it straight, which is really great too. So like mm -hmm. all this crazy shit is happening, but she's still kind of playing it very straight and is yep. very endearing as this character. Um, and, uh, you know, Walton sort of remakes that opening sequence yes. as the opening sequence of this movie, you know, cause the opening sequence of when a stranger calls is kind of the big thing that it's famous for. Yep. So he does it again, this time with cordless phones. This is sort of the big update is like, now it's the 90s, we've got cordless phones. What does that add to this? And then yeah. that that really is the scene that I think is like the kind of inspiration for like the opening of Scream. Mm. Um, the opening of Scream is very similar to the opening of When a Stranger Calls Back. Yes. And I think it's super cool that Craven was like, I really dug that made-for-TV sequel to that movie. I'm going to fucking, you know. It's amazing. Remake it as the opening of my movie. Yeah. Um, and even though this was a TV movie, apparently it did so well when it first aired that they were in talks for another sequel. Oh my gosh. Um, and apparently Fred Walton had written a treatment for the sequel um, and Miramax expressed interest in picking it up. Um, but those hopes died when Kane declined to come back. Um, mm. I guess she was upset with one of like the deaths of a character that happened mm. in the movie. And so that kind of killed it for her. Um, mm. And then they just like never ended up making more, which is wild. I would love to see this like have been a longer um, run of films. I think it would have been interesting. And then in 93, she is in Adam's Family Values, which uh, she plays Grandma Adams. And I think I've probably seen parts of this, but I don't actually think I've seen any of these Adams Family movies all the way. Me neither. Uh, which I've, is weird considering the kid I am. And I also think I've even, I can like picture her in this role, even though I'm pretty sure I've never seen this movie. So yeah. I, like maybe there were like Burger King ads that she was in or something. I, don't I was know, thinking you know? the same thing where I was yeah. like, I know I know her from this movie, but I'm pretty sure I've never seen this movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like that makes a lot of sense to me actually. Um, and then in 94, she was in a movie called The Crazy Sitter. Uh, okay. Again with Ed Bagley Jr. Of course, of course. Uh, a petty criminal is released from jail in the hopes of living a comfortable life. Um, she decides to try to get a job as a nanny. Um, and <laughs> it describes it as a wildly clever family comedy in the tradition of Home Alone and Mrs. Doubtfire. Okay. Which <laughs> so I think is funny. This is Carol King getting tortured by two little kids, sounds That's like. That's kind of what it sounds like. Would watch. Yeah. Um, and then she's in a movie, which I don't remember this, uh, with Whoopi Goldberg called Theodore Rex. Oh, uh, so, I mean, I've never seen Theodore Rex, but I am very familiar with Theodore Rex. This sounds wild. Yep. Uh, in an alternate futuristic society, a tough female police detective is paired with a talking dinosaur to find a killer of dinosaurs and other prehistoric animals. Which sounds fucking crazy. Yeah, it's like, remember the TV show, The Dinosaurs? Yes. It's sort of like one of those type, like, rubber puppet dinosaur talking so people weird. suit things and teamed up with Whoopi Goldberg and they're, like, detectives. Because, like, Dinosaurs was actually kind of terrifying. Like <laughs> I actually, loved that like, show. It is, it, like, really funny, but, like, I've also seen episodes and be like, wait, these are 
dark. Like, yeah, yeah. There's weird stuff in that show. <laughs> Some weird shit that I was watching. There's weird stuff in that show. Um, and I think I remember these like types of looking dinosaurs from that period of time. I was going to say there was like, a lot terrifying. of this going on. Yeah, they're yeah. weird. Yeah. Um, she's then in 1996 in a movie called Trees Lounge, which was uh directed and written by Steve Buscemi. No shit. Um, he also stars in it. Really strange. That's cool. I would watch that. Uh, she is then in Gone Fishing with Joe Pesci and Danny Glover. I saw Gone Fishing. Oh, you have? I rented that on a VHS tape from the local rental place. Oh, that sounds right. I'm pretty sure I recall one of my parents being like, hey, this looks like it could be like Grumpy Old Men, but with these other actors. <laughs> and they were like, so you'll like it, yeah, right? Yep, like, that's yeah. appealing to you. It was, actually. I really liked the Grumpy Old Men movie. <laughs> I've never seen them. I watched, we rented both of those movies a lot. I just assumed those are like movies for old people. No, nah, man, they're real funny. <laughs> those guys are so funny. Oh, that's very I funny. I don't remember this movie being as funny as those movies. Okay, I gotcha. Um, and then in 1997, she is in Office Killer. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, which I also wrote about for my Women Who Kill column. Yeah, we like went out of our way to sort of find this movie. This movie was like a little bit tough to find for a while. Yeah. Did it eventually pop up on Shudder? Is that what happened? I believe so. And um, I think the director is Cindy Sherman. I want to get this right. Because um, it's a female director. It's a really strange tone. Um, I feel like a lot of people don't totally dig this movie. Yeah, Cindy Sherman. Um I think it's actually about to have its 25th anniversary because oh, okay. uh, I'm going up to Boston next weekend and it's actually playing at the Brattle Theater up there oh, for its cool. anniversary, which that's I thought cool. was cool. Um, yeah, I I really liked Office Killer. Um, it's a very strange, um, I don't even know how to describe it. I mean, it is like kind of a slasher. Carol Kane is killing off the people in her office, but it has a very weird like art house tone to it while also being a slasher. I've seen other movies like this. There, there. This is a kind of movie that gets made like independently every few years where it's like about the quiet type in the office that yeah. does end up being like, a little bit crazy and doing something bad. Yeah. Um, but usually the movies are like sort of from like a sympathetic point of view of those people, um, yep. which is what is interesting about this movie. Uh, this movie is also very funny. It's like an early internet movie and the way yes. that they use and talk about the internet is like super funny in this movie. Yeah. And like, it's, I don't know. It's like kind of about like her being abused by all of these like higher ups in her company and, even though she's not necessarily thinking about it this way, but she is like taking revenge kind of on yes. these people. Um, but it's got a great cast too. It's her, it's Gene Triplehorn and um, uh, Molly Ringwald. Right. So it's got this like crazy good cast for like it's three like female leads. And then they're all like, kind of just like fucking with each other the whole time. Yeah, I mean, it's like, it is a movie about like, uh, I don't know how to say it, but like like female psychology, basically. Yeah. It's about these women and the way that they are like interacting with each other when put in these different positions of power over yeah, each other. for sure. It's so interesting. Yeah. I really loved this movie. It was a, a very interesting watch. And she's just so great at playing like a variety of different types of killers too. Like one thing I talked about was like, she's like a completely different character in this than she is in the Mafu cage. Right, right. Um, you know, she's totally different when she's, you know, in the When a Stranger Calls movies. Yeah. Like she's so good at playing so many of these different types. I mean, Doreen, the character from Office Killer, is like such a subdued presence compared yes. to her character, Amafu sure. Page. Um, yeah, she's like, and she's bringing like so much of that big actor energy to this like small character. Yep. Do you know what I mean by that? I do. Yeah. Uh, and it's really cool. It's really interesting. Yeah. You, there is like a, I don't know, you do feel for this character in mm -hmm. a lot of ways. It's actually interesting. We're talking about this from like, she actually does a lot of movies. The genre movies she does specifically seem to be about like female psychology in a really interesting, deep way. Mm -hmm. Like the Stranger Calls movies are mm -hmm. like that. Mafu Cage is mm -hmm. like that. It's just, I'm yeah. assuming that's what attracts her to these movies. If she's I not a that. genre movie fan. That's got to be the reason that she ends like up the doing these movies, you know? Yeah, and it sounds like she loves working with Sherman and wanted her to do more movies. I think this is the only feature length she's directed, okay. and it was ages ago. Um, yeah, right, 1997. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, and then she's in Jawbreaker, which I have seen. It's been a really long time. I'd like to rewatch it. This is one of the movies that I have the same thing where I'm like, I have seen this movie, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. But I, I I have very little memory of it. Yeah, I'd like to rewatch it. It's got Rose McGowan, right. who I'm a big fan of. Yep. Um, I, I like these dark 90s mm-hmm. teen. Uh, very cynical uh, yeah. teen <laughs> movies from the 90s. Yeah, yeah it was definitely a mood. Um, and then in 1999, she was in Man on the Moon. Um, oh, uh, the Jim Carrey movie. Yes. Yeah, I've never seen that. Yeah, me neither. Um, and then we get to her films in the 2000s. Uh, so for TV, she, again, did tons of stuff. Uh, Two and a Half Men, Monk, Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy, mm-hmm. Family Guy, As Told by Ginger, which was one of my favorite shows on Nickelodeon. What the fuck is that? Uh, it was just like a cartoon about like this teenager, Ginger, and her friends. And just like, oh, being a high school teen is weird kind of shows. Oh, but it was like animated? Because that sounds like Clarissa Explains It All, which I grew up with, but yeah. was, was not animated. Yeah, this was animated. I remember Macy Gray was the voice of the theme song. It was okay. such a, mo- a moment. I was going to say, yeah, I was literally just listening to a podcast where they were talking about, like, remember Macy Gray? She yeah. had that that album, that one, remember? Yeah. And she was, like, a big phenomenon. She was in the fucking Spider-Man sequel. Yeah. Yeah. And had that one album. That was it. Yeah, it's so strange. Yeah. Uh, but she did the music for As Told by Ginger. Um, and then she was also in Homicide, Life on the Streets, which I know we've talked about a couple times. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, in 2001, she was in My First Mister uh, with Albert Brooks. Oh. Uh, a 17-year-old girl has a troubled relationship with a 49-year-old man. You're goddamn right it was troubled. <laughs> uh, in 2002, she's in a movie called The Shrink is In with Courtney Cox and David Arquette. Oh, okay. Interesting. I don't know that I knew that they were in like more movies together outside of the screen universe. That's kind of why I put it in, because yeah. I'm like, well, that's really interesting. Yeah. Uh, in 2005, she's in The Pacifier, which, have you seen The Pacifier? I have not, but, uh, be, you know, I'm intimately familiar with like Vin to. Diesel's filmography. I gotcha. Yep. And then I put this in because this blew me away. Did you watch A Year Without a Santa Claus, like the animated one when you were a kid? Uh, yeah, I remember that, yes. They did a live action one Did in not know that, but that kind of makes sense to me. Does it? Because, like, I think about the way Heat Miser and, and uh-huh. Snow Miser look, and uh-huh. I'm like, them as, like, like live action is kind of horrifying yeah, I guess you're to right. me. I guess you're right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, but yeah, very interesting. Is she uh, Mrs. Claus in that? Because that would make sense to me. I think she's like Mother uh, Mother Earth. Because oh. isn't like she the mother of like oh. Snow Miser and mm-hmm. Heat Miser? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that makes sense to me too. I like that. I know the, their songs very well also. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, then we get to her roles in the 2010s. Uh, so she was in Big Mouth. Oh. Um, one of the things she's been doing over the past couple of years, she's one of the leads on the unbreakable Kim, Kimmy Schmidt. Yeah, I've never seen that show. People love it. And I hear in particular, Carol Kane is one of the like standout things about the show. She's great. Yeah, yeah. she's the the landlady uh, for Kimmy. And I'm forgetting the guy's name. That's really funny. Um, okay. The other lead in the show. Um, I watched like the first couple seasons of this and then I kind of fell off the boat mm. with it. But... But um, it's got a really great cast. Um, John Hamm is one of like the creative guys mm. behind it. I think Tina Fey is one of the writers mm-hmm. on it too. Um, but yeah, she she is very funny in this. Like the the three leads are like all really good together. Um, she was on Gotham. <laughs> um, oh sure. Phineas and Ferb, which yep. I did not watch. Me neither. Uh, Dora the Explorer and Law and Order SVU. Sure. Gotta... Just so many iconic pieces from this time. If you've been an actor. You've been on Law and Order. <laughs> it's just like automatically on your IMDb page. Indeed, like. yeah. <laughs> the moment you get cast in anything, you also get cast in Law and Order. Um, in 2010, she was in The Bounty Hunter, which I weirdly have seen. I don't know if you have. Is this the movie with Jerry Butts? And Jennifer Aniston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right, okay. Yep. I don't know s- why I've seen this movie. I don't think I've seen it. But, I think uh, I've seen it in theaters. Oh, fabulous. We'll yeah. watch, to be honest. Because <laughs> you like Jerry Butts. I sure do. And I like Jennifer Aniston. Yeah. I yeah. mean, we've been falling asleep to like Gods of Egypt like almost every night this yeah, you week. Mean one of the greatest action <laughs> fantasies of the last 10, 20 years? Yeah. It just like every have. time I come on the room, I'm like, what's on and it's gods of egypt listen if pluto's playing gods of egypt (laughs) i'm watching gods of egypt um she is then in sleepwalk with me which is the mike berbiglia movie which Uh, i've never seen that movie i forgot that she's in this 
Um, this is a really wonderful movie that we should watch sometime. Okay, cool. Because I'm a huge Birbiglia fan, so I'm already interested. I think you would probably love. Do you, are you like familiar with his? He has a sleep disorder. Yeah, because I think he's talked about it mm-hmm. in some of the comedy specials yep. I've watched. Yep. Yeah. And so this is um uh, uh he did a remember um that show This American Life the Ira Glass. Um, yeah, but I don't think I watched too much of it. Me neither. But um one of the he basically did a he him and Mike Birbiglia worked together to sort mm. of tell the story of Mike's uh, uh, sleep disorder. Oh, okay. Um, and so that became an episode of This American Life. And then uh, Berbiglia took that and adapted it to this movie. Oh, wild. And so it's like the story of him coming up in comedy while discovering he's got this disorder mm. that could fucking kill him at any minute. Um, yeah. It's, it's pretty interesting. It's one of the best movies about stand-up comedy. It's like one oh, of the only ones I've seen that is, it just seems like it was when I was doing stand-up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because uh, I feel like Berbiglia, like I was talking about this yesterday with Bo Burnham, like these uh, these comedians that are really good at being funny, but also like kind of sad and serious at the same time. Yeah, and yeah. I think they both do that very well. I agree. Uh, and Berbiglia is like one of my favorites. I, I really enjoy his stuff. He's really good. Yeah. Um, in 2012, she's in Thanks for Sharing with uh, Mark Ruffalo and Gwyneth Paltrow. I don't think I've ever heard of this. I've never heard of that movie. Um, in 2015, she's in Ava's Possession, which I have. I feel like this yeah. is a movie that is always available on streaming. Right. Exactly, yeah. Uh, about a woman recovering from a demonic possession. Oh, that's interesting. It's like post the yeah. exorcism. Okay, all right. Uh, she's then in The Sisters Brothers. I want to see this movie. I've never seen. So yeah. this is like Joaquin Phoenix, Jake Gyllenhaal, yeah. and... Um, why can't I think of his name? The, the other star of Step Brothers. That's not Will Ferrell. Yep. I know. I'm blanking on his name, too. I almost always forget it, and I feel terrible about it. I'm going to look it up. I'll find it. Because, um, yeah, I, I cannot think of it now that I'm trying to. John C. Riley. It just came to me. There it is. Yep. It just exploded out of my body. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I wanted to see this movie. I didn't know she was in this. Yeah. Uh, it makes sense to me, kind of like the circles of uh, comedians that she mm-hmm. seems to like mm-hmm. be, be friends with. Um, she's then in 2018 in a film called Ghost Light, uh, a dark comedy about a disgruntled summer stock actor who con- uh, who contemptuously disregards the superstition surrounding Shakespeare's tragedy Macbeth. By doing so, he unleashes the curse of the Scottish play and wreaks havoc on the company. I mean, somebody had to eventually make a, a movie about this fucking it makes sense, theater right? idea, right? Yeah. All right. Uh, and then in 2019, she's in The Dead Don't Die, which yeah. we just recently talked about uh-huh. uh, on our Wu-Tang episode. Uh-huh. And I, I actually distinctly remember her in this movie. It's funny. I can. And I, the only scene I found, too, was her as a zombie yeah. getting shot multiple times by Bill Murray and um, Adam Driver trying to cut her head off yeah. and failing. <laughs> yeah. That's like mostly what I remember is just like her being like that, doing like a really over-the-top zombie performance. Yeah. That's pretty funny. Yeah. Um, and then uh, in the 2020s, she is, has a recurring role on Hunters, which is that Pacino show. Oh. Yeah, like they're... Uh, the I don't Nazi know. Hunter show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then F is for Family, which is, uh, I think, one of like the Netflix animated shows. Yeah, that's um, Bill Burr's uh, animated oh, show, gotcha. which I watched the first season of and thought was delightful. Oh, okay. Yeah. Word. Um, and then she was in the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt TV movie, of course. Sure. And then in 2022 was in I, Mordecai, a family film with Sean Astin. Okay. All yeah. right. Um, some notes I have here. Um, so this is one of the movies we didn't talk about, but um, she won an Academy Award nomination for her performance in the 1974 independent film Hester Street. Awesome. Um, so she has been nominated for an Academy Award. That's great. Yeah. She also appeared on the television series Taxi and received oh, yeah. two Emmy Awards and a Glo- Golden Globe nomination. Okay. For her that's work. interesting. I actually didn't know she was on Taxi. That's like one of my parents' favorite sitcoms. Oh, interesting. Um, and so, like, I've seen some episodes, but when I was very young mm. and so that's like um, you know there's like a young DeVito in that show I think oh, um, okay. uh, 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 Christopher Lloyd uh, was on that show oh word yeah it's a pretty interesting cast um, apparently she is like longtime friends with Diane Keaton uh, Diane Keaton Angelica Houston and Mia Farrow sure what yeah. a combination yeah I know of would like to ladies. have tea time with them I know um, she's also a friend of Betty Davis, um, and uh, she actually portrayed Davis in Craig Lucas's play, The Lying Lesson. Um, 
And she actually was the first and only choice for her role in the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Oh. Uh, Tina Fey coached her personally for the role. Oh, okay. Um, and then Carol Kane is up there with people like my lady uh, Pam Greer, unmarried, no kids. Oh, Just like living yeah. that bachelorette life. Just loving it. Yeah, totally into it. Living and loving. Um, and then, yeah, I uh, found some interviews on um, HuffPost.com and NextTribe.com from Carol Kane. Hell yeah. Yeah. Well, I had a blast watching Carol's movies. I know. They're so good. She's I, such a great actress. I mean, I would not have watched things like Office Killer and Mafu Cage if it weren't for my relationship with you. So it was kind of <laughs> interesting to like watch some really like weird movies that sort of like stretched my understanding of like who she is as an actress and what yep. she's capable of. You yep. know? This is my my weird depressive right. movie state where yeah, I'm yeah. like, we gotta watch these fucked up ladies do shit. <laughs> yeah, I enjoy it. Uh, cool. Yeah, I'm glad we did her too. She's just so iconic. I mean, I feel like her role in When a Stranger Calls Alone makes her like uh, one of the first final girls, which is very cool. One of my self appointed duties in life is convincing more people to watch When a Stranger Calls Back. So any it's excuse wild. we get to recommend that to people, yes, uh, I will take. People should absolutely seek out when a stranger calls back agreed yeah you won't believe where it goes in the third act so wild. you might like kick your tv through a wall yep. and and like email us angrily yep but uh we love it we do i <laughs> i truly do uh all right then let's get out of here all right sounds good find us everywhere on the internet at killer bees podcast that's killer bs podcast if we're online yeah. send us an email Tell us what you think about Carol and what movies we should have talked about that yep. we didn't. And all the mistakes we made since we were so rusty coming yeah, back to this you episode. Know, yeah, it's very funny that we started with the 70s backwards and then <sighs> inverted it and got it correct like, from then on. <laughs> I was like, it's only getting worse. <laughs> we nailed it. What a good episode. <laughs> uh, you can find me on the internet at Filmadelphia. That's with an F. Look for me on Twitter and Letterboxd. Uh, you can find me, Tori Potenza, the Neon Banshee, on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I believe at this point the campaign should still be going on for Hear a Scream. So if you have not purchased a copy of the book Hear a Scream, uh, which I will have a personal essay in, you should definitely do so. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that we've even talked about this on the podcast, but you're going to be published. Yeah, I'm going to be published. Hear a, a Scream. In a book called Hear Us Scream. Yeah, I'm going to write a personal essay yeah. on my Cronenberg on Sex and Gender series and yeah. talk about how that has has uh, transformed me into the fucking weirdo I am today. Yeah. Yep. And um, yeah, if you Google that, you should be able to donate to the project by buying a copy. Yes, please. Yeah. We appreciate it. And if you're listening to it after that, just buy a copy. Yes, also true. Yeah. All right, let's get out of here. All right. Buzz, buzz. buzz.